Welcome to Lessons from the Healing Field, an ongoing journey from head to heart with Dr. Howard E. Richmond. And good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whatever it is that you happen to find this show. I hope that, uh, that you're having a good one, whatever time of day it is. I am Deborah Brown, as we've just said, and I have my wonderful friend, Dr. H, on the line. How are you today? I'm doing really good. Hi, Deborah. It's great to be here with you. Thank you. It's really great to be here with you, too. And um, people that have been listening know that you are an integrative psychiatrist and a first-time author, and you have a wonderful novel called The Healing Field, A Young Psychiatrist's Battle with His Anorexic Patient, Her Hunger Strike Against God, and Their Journey Through the Dark Night of the Soul. And it is just a beautiful book. I absolutely love it, and I've read it a couple of times already. And I'd like to kind of um, spend this show unpacking uh, kind of a concept that uh, is why you wrote the book, possibly. And I will say mm-hmm. what I think your purpose is, and then you can uh, help me unpack it for our listeners. And that is that your book helps consciously seeking people shift energy-draining reactions to realign body, mind, and spirit. That sounds important to me. Very important. And thank you for articulating it. I love the way you... Um, Throw me a nice, juicy softball. So for the, li- for the listeners who um, had not heard me say this before, I never intended to write a book about a patient of mine. I would never do that. The doctor-patient relationship is, is sacred. It was only when my patient literally confronted me and said, you have to write about this journey. You have to write about the miracles. This could help someone else. That's when I listened, and she was right. So the book, um, Helping Consciously Seeking People. So you and I are consciously seeking people. We're having this discussion, and those that tune in will be similar. And so um, we all have reactions that can be energy-draining. We can all get stuck in certain patterns of reacting. It doesn't matter what the content is. We know it when we slow down and go, oh, wow, that took a lot out of me, or I wish I had another way to respond. So uh, this is about helping people like us to shift those energy-draining reactions to realign body, mind, and spirit. So when I'm doing yoga... I know that I'm, if, I'm, if my posture is not in alignment, I'm more likely to hurt myself or, or not get the most out of it. So this is about realign, realigning our reactions similarly that's more in alignment with our body, our mind, and our spirit in wholeness and integrity. Well, what, uh, what emotions... Well, let me ask you a different way. Are emotions and the energy-draining reactions the same animal? In other words, um, or, or is it 
different. In other words, I know you don't use the word negative emotion or positive emotion. You told us that last time. So I've been consciously thinking about that whenever I've thought about um, any writing that I've ever done where I've used the word negative emotion. So I'm trying to reschool myself. <laughs> so now I'm saying, okay, what are energy draining reactions in relationship to emotions? Great question. So let's look at a very simple equation. So on the left hand side, the left hand side is reaction. So reaction equal equals judgment plus emotional tension. So let me say that again. Reactions equals judgment plus emotional tension. When we're in a reaction, when we have this hit, uh, maybe somebody said something to us that we didn't like or did something that we didn't like, and maybe our, our, our reaction is charged. So we have a judgment, we have a story, we have an opinion, and we have emotional tension. Sometimes it's obvious anger or frustration. Sometimes it's not so obvious. There can be hidden emotions like sadness, guilt, shame, worthlessness. So our emotional reaction or emotional charge is part of the whole umbrella of the reaction that I'm breaking down into these, really these two or three parts. Our judgments, that's our thoughts, and our emotional tension, which resides in our body. Make sense? It does. It does. Now, is it possible to lose yourself in your reactions, to actually lose yourself you're you're actually who you are when you are not true to your reaction in other words what if you never show anger and yet a situation that would be natural uh anger producing for anybody you don't show anger are you are you are you lost <laughs> i feel like i would be lost well you know i'll put it in the context of one certainly can be. It depends on the context and the situation. Uh, we can have anger and not display it because we were trained or taught that anger is not okay. And it takes energy to suppress or push down an emotion like anger. And there's going to be a cost to that energy suppression, whether it's conscious or whether it's subconscious. Uh, so so emotion, we can be emotionally constipated, and it causes tension in our body. So going back to the consciously seeking person who, let's say this person is very successful, um, you know, really has a lot going for him or herself, and they find themselves constantly um, into these these mind sucks, you know, where you're just like, gosh, I can't get myself out of my own way. Does that happen to people? It seems like a real trap. Oh, yeah, it happens a lot. It, it's so common, and it's even the seduction of what what we define as success. So society can say a person is successful because they have product to show or a bank account or a title, Yet if you're that individual who is so-called successful and your body is wound with tension and agitation, frustration, 
and you're not sure how to release that, uh, maybe you release it or, or not you personally, we can release it in unhealthy ways, addictive behaviors, um, whatever they may be. Um, so the key here is when we start to become aware that we get stuck in these reactions and and we're not having healthful ways to to release the tension, then I, then I can help. I can help by showing people and what I learned um, through this journey in the healing field and and why I wrote the book about my journey with my patient, how we can all get stuck in um, in energy draining reactions, and when we start to find out. What we can do different, wow, our energy balance sheet goes from the negative to the positive. Wow. Okay, so in the book, the main character, Lori, um, is, uh, as you put it, she um, has find, finds herself in an energy-draining hole, like a black hole. Inter- oh, excuse me, you call yeah. it an energy-sucking black hole. <laughs> <laughs> and um I yeah, I get that. <laughs> like a vortex of bad, 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 bad crap. Okay. So yeah. how about if you what I love is when you read for us, because you have a beautiful way of reading your words, and if you would read starting on page eighty four and it's in chapter six, so you can set a little bit of context. And the chapters call it out of the box. And I think what we're gonna probably be talking about is is some of the ways to shift out of these energy draining reactions and this chapter about out of the box is certainly um, in that vein so if you could read um, chapter I'm sorry uh, page 84 for a while and uh, then we'll talk about what happened to Lori okay so let me set this up in context for the listener Lori is my patient who is really getting worse and worse She's stuck in anxiety, in depression, in poor self-care. Um, she's coming to see me. She's um, scrunched up in her chair, and she barely talks. And um, so now I'm going to start to read. My character is Henry. Henry began to fidget. He sniffed the air. There seemed to be a putrid odor coming from Lori's body. That was it. He sprang up and walked slowly and deliberately towards Lori, then sprawled out on his back by her feet, his head inches from her toes, and looked up in her face mischievously. With his eyes now meeting hers, he sought to penetrate her shield of listless inertia. Maybe by doing something totally preposterous, he could break her out of her depressed mind and give them both something to work with. The unexpected intrusion into her personal space threw Lori for a loop, and she froze. What the devil is he doing, she thought. She had no frame of reference for his behavior. She held her breath. His intense eyes were three feet below her, looking at her in a way that was insistent, yet deeply caring. What are you doing down there on the floor? She still avoided his eyes, as if looking at them might cause her to go blind. Henry had taken a huge risk by venturing out of the safe, familiar grounds of standard professional practice into the wilderness of intuition with nothing but his heart as as his compass. I am down here because it's so damn difficult to reach you, Henry said. 
After a few moments, he added, I thought it was time to try something different. Lori resisted as long as she could. Then she dared to peer into his eyes. She couldn't believe what she saw. He's smiling? How astonishing. He looks so silly down there. Grown man, smiling, doctor, acting like a child. Henry watched as the hint of a smile appeared at the corners of Lori's mouth. Her pupils dilated. Suddenly, she giggled and then roared with laughter, her face breaking into the biggest smile he had ever seen. It was as if the sun had burst through a prolonged total eclipse, radiating joyous light. I can't believe you're on the floor, she said, unable to contain herself. She felt lighter and more alive than she could remember. Henry smiled widely and shrugged his shoulders. Well, I guess it worked. All right. So unpacking that, what I get is that that was a major pattern interrupt, doing something out of the box. And I love the way you said that it gave them both, to give them both something to work with. So isn't that what we're doing with ourselves when we do this? We give ourselves something to work with, something new, something different? Yes, it's like a circuit breaker, and laughter is a wonderful circuit breaker because in the moment that we laugh, we're not in the future, we're not in the past, we're in the present. And then there's a connection. Here's where the magic happens. There's a connection that's a relationship for that instant. It's no longer doctor versus patient, me versus you. It's, a, it's an us. It's a we. It's a now moment. It's a present. It's a gift. That's what happens, and that's what the, what the laughter and the humor did. And it certainly was something that I had not uh, been doing previously, and so it gave me permission and an invitation to be creative in order to connect deeper with somebody and someone like Lori who was in deep pain. I love what happens after that where you said, feel your lightness, Lori. He encouraged her between guffaws, hoping somehow the seeds of humor would stick in her dark, nettled mind. Lori closed her eyes and tried to catch her breath as her laughter subsided. Her heart struggled to awaken from its unending gloominess and see a glimmering spark of hope. For a moment, her tiny universe expanded. There was space for her to breathe. Ah, she inhaled new freedom. I think that is, um, I think if I were to, you know, hang that on my wall every now and then and go, you know what, have a little giggle here and there, you know, and your universe will expand. Yes, and even those words, ah, she inhaled. When we go, ah, and aha, our body shifts, our chemistry shifts. We take in a bigger inspiration and a more complete exhalation. We're moving energy in our body, and the tension gets less tense as we move towards ease. So the simple notion of laughter has um, the benefits that are a little more complex in the physical realm, in the mental realm, and in softening our heart and letting down our guard. 
I understand that. And what I also know, though, is that in the case of Lori, she did not have a magical aha and then stay that way. Um, she slipped back into her gloominess, but at least she had had, now correct me if I'm wrong, at least she had had the experience of a cleansing deeper breath and that laughter and that spark of, of hope so that the next time it was coming at her in something else that you would do that would break her um, her malaise or whatever, maybe she would see it sooner or grasp it faster or hold it longer. Is that possible? Exactly. It's it's like taking a, a scarf and dip it in, dipping it into dye. You do it once, you take it out, you get exposed to the elements, it starts to fade. You dip it again, the color deepens. So each time there's experiences like this, it, it opens up more that that tightly shut aperture. It kind of uh, greases it and opens it up so that connection uh, can be found again. That's the challenge, and that's the invitation for, for all of us. So I've just now had an image of tie-dyeing something like a T-shirt. <laughs> so, so I'm now looking at this mind-body-spirit in this beautiful tie-dyed you know, fabric. And isn't life really all about the fabric? Um, you know, all the things that have happened to us and all the things that we think about. And it's kind of an interesting image. It is. It is, Deb. And the thing is, sometimes that fabric can look and feel like it's covered with mud. And so we can get fooled and seduced and stuck in the vision of it's dark and it's muddy and it's trapping and I can't get out. So if we find ways or if we get help that there can be this circuit breaker to see things differently and then to experience, even for a moment, that the mud falls off and we get rinsed of that mud and we get a glimpse of that the beautiful colors of the tie-dye fabric, ah, she inhaled or we inhale a new sense of freedom when we do that. So we should do it again and again. Well, you know, even as I listened to you take that that aha or that ah, I, I actually felt myself breathe easier even with you. So yes. I find that interesting that it's not even, um, I'm not tense about anything. I love doing this show. I'm not nervous about it. But I do probably still carry some, you know, ang- not anxiety, but some tension. And it's in a, yeah. it's not a loaded kind of tension, but it's just wanting to do well. You know, so I have right. my own judgment around how well that looks and what that means. And am I going right. to say something stupid? And you know, am I going to say something right. where you're going to go, what? Right. Uh, so, so I just, right. I just said I wasn't nervous, and then it showed you that I am a little bit nervous. Isn't that funny? No, well, I'm not nervous. Well, <laughs> what, what, what's, what's great, Deb, is your awareness and your ability to share that with us because that's really being micro aware at the moment and so that you notice that that your tension you you shifted into more ease and then there was the association of of the thoughts that may be associated with it so the neat thing is when i was breathing like that it invited you to do that and you dropped some tension we all carry some tension around us very frequently and when we can shift into awareness and then shift that tension to more ease it just feels so much better 
And here's here's another little uh, visual. If you if you think of a, a tuning fork um, that has a tone when you uh, bang it on your knee and then bring it up to your ear. Now, if you have another tuning fork that hasn't been um, struck yet, and you bring the first tuning fork to the second one, it picks up that vibration. So my vibration of more ease invited you, just like my um, uh, uh, being playful and, and, and humorous with Lori invited her to release the, the chronic and heavy tension that she was carrying. So there's a resonance there, a, a field of resonance energetically that um, we, can, we can detect. And then we become better detectives and more self-aware uh, non-judgmentally of the thoughts, emotions, and tension that happens so quickly in our mind-body field. Now, I'm wondering if if your field, and I'm talking about the field of psychiatry, is in tune, like a tuning fork, to this thing about the vibrations and I don't know. I, I mean, you know, and, and I, I'm certainly not, I have no... Um, negative uh, connotation around psychiatry at all. But I'm just wondering if if this is maybe outside the box. It's certainly outside the box of traditional psychiatry. And as with change in general over time, uh, change happens at first slowly like a waveform. If you imagine a pebble dropping into a pond, um, this is a waveform. Now, there's other pockets in, in, in people that in my profession, though it's relatively minor. Um, so um, l- let me use the, the music uh, analogy. Uh, this uh, resonance and, and this consciousness that I have been teaching and learning in interacting with uh, with my clients and my patients um, this when it spreads uh, this is a music that I would like to spread more into the field of psychiatry and share this with my colleagues to say hey um, have you tried this do you know about this so hopefully um, that that's what's going to be happening and I think that's exactly why this book is so important frankly is because uh, Lori's situation was so dire, and it's very clear that anything that you were trying that was the norm for your, I started to say your industry, uh, for your field, um, yeah, it wasn't working. It wasn't working, and it wasn't going to work. So no, and guess- my and my colleagues, yeah, my colleagues did not have uh, um, um, hopeful um, counsel or advice. Uh, at the time on what to do. Um, it was a collective feeling of, of of powerlessness and helplessness. Right. Okay. So I think um, I think I understand this, this concept of pattern interrupt on a lot of levels. But I want to ask you another question, and that is, could a person have a default reaction? In other words, something happens and they always feel like it's impending doom. And maybe that's how Lori was uh, in, in, in her darkest days. You know, everything seemed like a problem. You know, her, her default reaction was shame and, and horror, right? Or you tell yes. me. Uh, yes. Um, um, suspended fear. Um, that default mode 
Deb, is is quite common. I, I see it all the time in depression. Um, uh, when when we get and depression is really sadness that gets stuck and prolonged, and it affects our circuits, and then it affects how we see the world. Our our lens, our reality lens, gets clouded with this doom and gloom. So it's quite common. It's really very common, and so um, that that was. Lori's default mode, um, that that view that things can only be uh, more bad or less bad, uh, that was it. There was no positive um, ca- capacity for many years that I was treating her. So is that a habit? I'm not talking about Lori necessarily. I'm talking about a consciously seeking person of any, you know, anybody. Is it is it a habit that makes us um, have that default reaction, or um, is it something that awareness ha- you know awareness times ten, which is what you said last time was so important? Awareness, awareness, awareness times ten. Um, is that going to help us? Is that awareness, or is this a habit we can change? In other words, can I plug in joy and forgiveness? Can I plug in the joy and forgiveness CD instead of blame and annoyance? You know, can I just choose? Well, you ask such rich questions, Deb. So at the structure of your question, can we have this awareness um, or is it a habit? So I will just be gently and lovingly picky to say it's not either or, it's yes and. So let's start with the awareness. The awareness, and I'll get into that a little bit more, is is tantamount to getting unstuck awareness of many tools, uh, and I can't go over them all right now, though I'll say that the awareness um, is is certainly um, uh, critical in getting unstuck. Now, the stuckness, you asked if if it's a habit. Um, Yeah, it does become a habit pattern. It's it's autopilot, and it's, it's a cascade. So if we're feeling tense and anxious and our world seems to be falling apart, that already compromises our capacity to see out of that box. So we can be like if we're in a, a movie and, and, and it's a horror film or whatever film, we can be inundated with the senses and the tension and it certainly can feel real. And so we, we can get stuck in the perception that things aren't getting better, they're only getting worse. And then it can be, as I said, cascade. It can be an unintended self-fulfilling prophecy because it just amplifies. So we could really um, catapult uh, a downward spiral real quickly and get stuck there. Now, the unspiraling is the awareness that if we start to step out of what's driving our perception, um, what's driving our perception because we can really get overly stuck in seeing things through a negative lens, and that's a distortion. So that's where the rubber meets the road here, is where we can work on what drives our perception and when we look at what's driving our perception, we can steer out of the ditches of misperception. 
So it's quite tricky and challenging and inviting and very empowering and enriching when we start to get a handle on how to do that because then we practice it more and more and it has a cascade up and positive and out of the negative and the box. So I love that, of course, and I also am thinking that that wonderful cleansing breath that we were just talking about a minute ago, I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if... In my case, when I'm feeling myself going for a default reaction, and I used to have a, a real impending doom kind of, that's why I mentioned that one. I'm, I'm kind of out of that mode right now. I'm, I'm in a better place right now. <laughs> but I've had that where my default reaction was impending doom. Um, yeah. So I maybe still have it, and it's just it's not uh, running me right now. So I guess I'll just say it that yes. way. But I think if I were to um, take a breath, I mean, be conscious, and take a breath, yes. and then a little inventory of my feelings and the truth of what's happening, then maybe I really can avoid my default reaction and choose differently. Yes, 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 yes. Oh. Did I say yes? <laughs> so absolutely, absolutely, Deb. So this is awareness um, and, and I say yes multiple times, like I say awareness multiple times, because when when we have that awareness, when you have that awareness, and it comes simultaneously with the sensation of impending doom, and you say to yourself, you give yourself self-talk, wait a minute, Deb, take a breath. And when you take the time to take a breath, you slow the swirling vortex of doom and gloom down a little bit and enough that you get expanded space in your mind and your body to then process, engage other circuits to say, wait a minute, maybe this is a distortion, an exaggeration, a old habit pattern. So the breath and and I counsel people about the breath and the body because they go together. We're working with our body to take this kind of conscious breath. The breath is so undervalued and unrecognized, and it's such a powerful tool. So yes, yes, and another yes. Well, thank you for that. And I can actually give you an example (laughs) so that we can give me a bigger yes because that wasn't enough yeses in one sentence. Um, But I I accidentally, uh, Saturday, this past Saturday, I accidentally gave my beautiful four-year-old boxer, who I love more than life itself, my blood pressure medicine. I was getting ready to give her her, um, yeah, I was going to give her her, her thyroid medicine, and I, for some reason, had my pill next to where I was doing all of this, and I got sidetracked briefly, and I realized it immediately that she had taken it. And I, I mean, I literally started my feeling this impending doom really was like yeah. washing over me, and it was going to crush me. Yeah. I mean, literally crush yeah. me. I could feel this crushing. And I thought, oh, God, okay, take a breath, because I, I picked up my yeah. phone, and I'm like, okay, I need to do something with this phone. Who am I trying to call? I right. mean, my brain is shut down. Right. And I am really right. very good in emergencies, but that one was yes. like too much for me for a moment. And then I took a breath, right. and then I inventoried, okay, I can handle this. I, I can do this. 
and then I started, you know, I made the phone call to the veterinarian, you know, blah, 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 and everything was fine. But for a moment, it was like, holy crap, I can't do this, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. So, but I did do that. That's, I did take a breath yeah. and slow it down because it was just going to get worse. It was just going to get worse and worse by the moment. Yeah, that's great work. And as simple as it sounds, it is simple. And for for the better part of your life, it was probably unfamiliar to do that, right? Yes. And so now, yes. And so, so what you did then is with the breath, you shifted out of the autopilot mode, which the plane was careening, careening down and about to crash, um, because and you're, you felt tension and, and fear and I'm sure guilt and uh oh, what if disaster? The mayday, 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 and you took exactly. a breath <laughs> and you went from you went from autopilot now. You become conscious pilot. You get into the cockpit, and the first instruction is shifting your body and your breath with your breath. So as you breathe, you stabilize that plane, that sense of doom and gloom. Your tension starts to drop with more ease, and then the breath gives you more space, bonus room, getting out of, uh-oh, what-if disaster mode, and now you're grounded, and then you can execute the um, functionings that you need to do and get the information. And so not only <laughs> were you out, you got out of the box, you were out of the boxer. Oh, my gosh, that is too funny. And, yeah, that's really, that's very good. The, yeah, the I, I, didn't want to be, I didn't want to be out of a boxer. At all. So, <laughs> right. You wanted you wanted the medication out of the boxer. That's, that's right, what it I meant. Did. Right. That's right. And I'll tell oh, you just boy. to kind of wrap this up, um, that that little thing. Um the um the fix was, by the way, a tablespoon of hydrogen peroxide. Fresh hydrogen peroxide. And it made her throw oh. up. So Yeah. <laughs> And so now I feel more powerful because I was able to take care of it and, and all is well. So I like the idea of a mayday moment and then engaging other circuits. I think those are two things I'm yeah. taking away from this little thing. A mayday moment because right. they come. They come at us, right? right. Everybody's going to have them. But it's a matter of am I going to engage my smart circuits? <laughs> no, it's not, that's not right. I'm going to engage other circuits. Because I'm always smart. Right. I'm just scared sometimes. And, and when I'm scared right. and horrified and all those other things, then I'm, I feel powerless at, point, at a point. Right? So, right. yeah. Right. Right. Because when we lose the judgment, we get triggered and our brain reacts um, uh, and takes over. The fear circuits are so powerful. That's the mayday moment or the disaster bulletin. And then when you take a breath and you slow down your circuits and the alarm bells get quieter, then you shift out of that survival catastrophe mode and uh, stabilize your, your mind-body vehicle. And uh, then you get ease. And then, boom, drama's over, tension's gone, uh, and fortunately, outcome, outcome was, was excellent. Yes, Zena is fine, <laughs> and Yay. so is Deborah. Yay. So is her mother. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Great. <laughs> All right. So thank you for that. I appreciate that, and I like that Mayday moment um, because it's something that um, you know Mayday 
means that there's um, help out there, hopefully. You know, somebody's listening. And, of mm-hmm. course, it's me. I'm the one listening. Yeah. So right. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Now, there's another thing that happens um, possibly when people are having this uh, energy-draining reaction. And you helped Lori with something that um, I don't know how much you want to say about it because I don't want to spoil it for people because it was so powerful in the book, but it's the uh, it's the Holy Skirt chapter. And mm-hmm. um, um, in that case, um, it wasn't just making her laugh. It was a symbolic gesture on your part to um, move something that was really bothering her from her past into another place. So I'll let you say yeah. however much you'd like to say about that, but I thought that was one of the most amazing chapters. It's very short, ladies and gentlemen. It's very short, but it's like one of the most powerful things in the book. You have to read this book. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so the Holy Skirt chapter, um, Lori had shared with me in a poignant, vulnerable moment that she had been raped in her past and it was extremely scary and difficult for her to share that because she was raised with such judgment about um, sexual matters and speaking about this was horrifically shameful Um, and she brought in she brought in the skirt that she had kept for almost a decade and she was trembling and gave it to me and asked me to do something with it. Uh, I intuitively uh, got a candle out, lit a match to the candle, and burnt a portion of the skirt. And as I burnt it, I said an affirmation, something like, let this flame burn off the shame uh, from your body now. And I, um, it was very powerful to symbolically and in that space help her lose her tremendous self-judgment uh, kept, uh, kept there by tremendous feelings of, of shame and worthlessness. And so um, the, the moment went from such high tension uh, to such um, a drop in, in ease and safety and uh, a feeling of profound healing that we both experienced. It was beautiful, and it was, it was inspired. And I'm sure that she appreciates it because, um, you know, I don't know where it came from. I don't know. Like you said, it came from intuition, and it came from you caring enough about her to figure out what it needed to be at that moment and listening to your own soul <laughs> to figure out what do I do, what do I do, what do I do. Um, do you ever have moments, little mayday moments, like like um, <laughs> with your you're in your um, uh, your session with a with a client and or a, cust- a customer, good lord, client. <laughs> customer um, and they they bring you something uh, either psychological or in this case it was a physical item where you go wow I don't know what to do with you I, I don't know where to go y- yes yes absolutely and in a sense that was a May Day moment fortunately 
uh, the intensity and the duration were small enough uh, because my my heart, my intuition, um, I, I was to to use that phrase again. I was I was out of my mind. I was out of the box of of solely my con- cognitive mind because my thinking mind would have gone, okay, what do I do? It's a skirt, da 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 da, and that didn't get in the way. I had an inner knowing and just a a picture sense of of without without it going to words first because that takes longer and it's a different uh, there are different circuits that light up so in that sense i was I was figuratively out of my mind uh, more into my intuition and then symbolically uh the flame um melting away the the shame uh, that was the reframe uh, not to do some rap here but that was the reframe is to is to melt away the shame and and lose the judgment and so the, those are universal lessons for for us all so my goodness i can't even mm. i i just can't even imagine what was going through both of your minds <laughs> Or Dr. H and Lori, <laughs> all, all of you people, <laughs> because um, uh, you know that that's a once in a lifetime thing, probably for both of you, and it was so critical at that moment. So, well, we, we had we had we had many experiences, uh, and that was part of the healing journey and the lessons where we where we were again out of our minds. So, so to, to that familiar question i don't know what you were thinking um we weren't thinking we were out of our minds and mm-hmm. and that was the the magic we we weren't in our minds um we were in another space and that space was a space of 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 non-judgment um of caring and then that sharing and the, that that's the healing that's where the mir- miracles happen in that space there that's what i think right so non-judgment, caring, and sharing is going to is going to um, rule the day. I mean, it's it's always probably going to rule the day, and that sounded like judgment in a good way. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I get to do that yes. right every now and then. <laughs> All right. So, especially you just if you're aware of it, yes, go ahead. <laughs> exactly. If I ask permission, or or just do it and then tell you I did it. Um, <laughs> so you just mentioned. Um, the word affirmation, I think, and I had written it down um, a minute ago for some other thing we were talking about. And now I actually want to talk about affirmations a little bit because I would think that self-talk, affirmations, you know, using affirmations might be yet another way to shift energy-draining reactions. And you actually wrote prescriptions for Lori, which were meant to be consumed over and over again like tasty morsels that were going to sustain her and really give her sustenance sustenance so talk to me about that yes so affirmations and the prescriptions that i wrote on a prescription that typically doctors write medications i was writing affirmations for her so that her mind would be exposed again and again to some truths that her depressed and distorted mind could not see. 
So on a practical level for, for all of us, when we pay attention to our words, particularly when we're in those energy-draining reactions, if we slow it down like we're playing a, a movie clip and put it on rewind and play and then see what words and thoughts come into our head, we can see that we can sentence ourselves, our, ourselves, we can sentence, sentence ourselves inadvertently to, to more tension, to, to more pain. Now, when we, we're not aware that we're doing this, then we're really prisoner and hostage to our reactions. It's like um, a reflex hammer under your knee, uh, the foot goes up. So we have these reactions that are automatic. When we have that awareness that we've been talking about, to see what those reactions are, to have some objectivity, slowing it down with our breath, then we can start to um, change those thought forms, change the sentences that we sentence ourselves to a prison and instead um, we can change our words in our sentences to get out of that prison and as you know I usually say and into a prism where the light comes in and where we see things differently and where the healing occurs so yes with with affirmations um, for example um, if our automatic thought is I'm never good enough or I'm not going to do what I need to do to be okay, um, that sentence keeps us suspended uh, in fear and contraction. And we're more likely to fail in that posture than if we are upright, breathing with more ease and opening up more space like you shared with us earlier in the podcast, when you had that um, mayday moment and then used your awareness and your breath, and you were really resenting, you were getting, you were opening up that prison of uh oh mayday into the prism of more lightness and ease. So th that's this is where it's at right here. Well. What I also know, however, and I say however in, in uh, quotation marks, um, I don't know that I can go right from I am never good enough all the way to I am absolutely good enough all the time. I think I would stumble over that one. So I think you and I have talked about this before um, where – in my case, I can say something like, I am starting to doubt myself less and less. Yes. Is more of the yes. bite that I can take of that um, that morsel. That's about the bite I can take at the beginning. Is this, right. is this going to be true for most people, all people, or just something that you found works best in your experience? I've, I've seen that it works. It works. Um, it works when it's used. And that is, and you know I call it the, the U-turn. So if you imagine a big U, the letter U, and on the left top is, let's use a negative sign, and on the right top we'll use a positive sign. So 
we can get stuck on the left half where things are either more bad or less bad. Um, I doubt myself all the time, or I'm doubting myself not as much, or I hate myself, or maybe I don't like myself. It's, it's, it's always in, stuck in that negative arm. So to say, and, and I learned this long ago, if somebody's in self-disregard and really has low self-esteem, you can't go from I hate myself to I love myself. It's incongruent. It's a cognitive dissonance. It's a disconnection. But you can go from I hate myself a lot to I'm learning to hate myself less. And I'm then hating myself less and less, and then I'm disliking myself less and less. And you you go down that U-curve, and eventually I'm uh, neutral about myself, and then I'm starting up the right-hand side of that U-turn, and I'm starting to like myself a little bit. I have one or two good qualities. I'm learning to um, like myself and respect and honor myself, and then there's that self-love that's not egotistical or narcissistic. That's how we we can work it, no matter what the content is. Down and up, less negative towards more positive. So I was just I had just written down the word scale up, but you just said down and up, and I I think that's um. I th- I think this is brilliant because I would like I said I would really have a hard time going all the way from the. Um, the negative sign, you know, over to the positive sign, like like a bridge. You know, a lot of people just want the bridge, though. They just want to go from um, on that U. They just want to put a little platform on there and just, you know, scurry across and be all better all immediately. But what they haven't done well, there, maybe. Think- and, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, or it's the message, just think good thoughts. And even in my profession, cognitive therapy focuses on replacing the negative thoughts uh, with positive thoughts. My gripe with that is, well, we've got emotions that are a part of the system, and so um, replacing negative with positive is a linear thing, and healing is nonlinear. Emotions are nonlinear. That's why we have to go down the U, and it's like a pendulum. You know, it it can pendulate uh, going uh, down and up, down and up. When we're aware, when we're conscious, when we're practicing, then the overall net gain is swinging up towards the positive and staying there more frequent and longer. And then when we pendulate up the negative, we can track it and use our tools to swing upward again. Wow. This is another example of simply complex. <laughs> yeah. I almost uh, – I thank you for saying that, Deb, because I almost yeah. – it was on my mind, so you read my of mind. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what can I do? How else can I serve you? Um, oh, my goodness. Well, here's the good thing. We are working on a companion guide to the healing field. And consciously seeking people will be able to practice what you and I have been talking about for the last three episodes and practice, you know, these things that are not exactly 
um, you know, it's it's not on TV. You know, it's 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 not uh, it's not common knowledge, and it's also work, but it's good work, right? Yes, exactly. It's the work that when we put the energy in, we reinvest the energy in ourselves, and then it pays off dividends. What happens in in general life and society is uh, we get allured by our short attention to get the shortcut cuts and have the easy way, and it, it doesn't work. So these tools, there's a simplicity to them, and at the same time, our brains are designed that it's not familiar to make these changes all at once, even though our our thinking mind says, well, yeah, that's simple. Our reacting mind and body, um, it's very unfamiliar. So those two words, simple and unfamiliar, uh, fit very well together so that when we practice this more and more, it's less unfamiliar, and then it's much less unfamiliar, and then it swings up that U-turn, and it starts to become more familiar like a foreign language with practice, it's less foreign, and then eventually we can become more fluent in this language and then have more grace and ease in our lives. So wouldn't that just be the best thing ever? <laughs> and, you know, that's kind of what you're doing, right? You're helping people craft and create the best life ever. And it it is yes. a, it is a project. I mean it's like we don't yes. we don't get to walk around in this world and have reactions to things and have things happen to us and have disappointments and unmitigated joy sometimes and just you know really sad stuff at the other times and and not have that play havoc or wreak havoc with um with our psyche or you know our our feelings i mean i i don't think i'm the only one that feels this way right you you can't get out of this alive <laughs> it's like it's uh, it's complicated it's it's universal and i call it a long-term project that's ongoing so it has those two components of it it's like my yoga practice i've been practicing now for seven years on a regular basis and so when I first started if I thought it would take me seven years to master a certain pose I might be disenchanted Uh, I might think that it's hard Uh, and those words get in the way so when we think of life as a long-term project that's ongoing well that's a good fit I think that's a great fit, and it takes away the the judgment about it's too hard and it takes too long. No, it's ongoing now, and we could just practice getting better at it. I like that. Yes, I have never I have never heard anyone say that life is a long term project that's ongoing. <laughs> I, I really haven't. I, <laughs> but it's so I, true. I think this and, is, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just it's what is. It's not it's not loaded. It's just if you if you analyze each word, um, long term. We hope it's a lot longer than you know. I mean, I'd like to live to be over a hundred as long as I'm healthy. And it's a project, which means that we um, we get to 
have a foundation and then put some other stuff with it and keep building it and make it a prettier, you know, prettier or better. Or I know you probably don't want to use prettier and better. You say this. You, you tell me. You break it down. So um, when we look at life as a long-term project that's ongoing and we listen to these words, we are here and we are sentenced to life. Now, sentence to life, the common association is, is prison. Somebody has a life sentence. Well, what if we consider that in the positive connotation, we're sentenced here for life so that in the positive connotation, we can, in the now, continue working on making it the healthiest and most fulfilling life, and it takes practice and intention and work and that works that's the those are the ingredients that that's my definition of success is working it this way long-term project that's ongoing well i am very thankful to have a life sentence i am saying i am saying i am saying yes to life and i know we know someone yes. else that said yes to life and yes. and really isn't that just the most beautiful thing to say yes to life and yes. to really feel that that is a sentence worth carrying out? Oh boy, is it? Yes, yes. And sometimes it takes more work than other times. Uh, like in my yoga practice, sometimes the pose takes more energy, more work, and other times it's effortless effort. It's all in our intention, our attitude, and how we look at things. It is. And I would just like to clarify that if you were not in 108 degrees during this hot yoga, <laughs> you brought some of that on yourself. <laughs> in my hey, opinion. I like I like I I I like a good I like a good sweat. Ah, you must. You must. Well, I think that yeah. uh, yes, and I think I must like a good sweat because sometimes when we're talking, I start to sweat myself because I'm thinking, what am I saying? I'm being a little bit too um, self-revealing here. But uh, yeah, no impending doom for me today. So okay, so I have thoroughly enjoyed this. So tell people how they can get hold of you or more of your work. Um, I've already mentioned the companion guide is in progress. I'm very excited about that. It's not going to take much longer before that's going to, that's going to be available. And that's going to really be transformational for people, to be able to use the book, the Healing Field book, and the guide to actually get some practice with some of these uh, principles. Yes. And first I want to say you've just been perfectly wonderful here with me today and so i appreciate your openness and forthrightness it makes it um, a lovely a connection conversation and communion so i i hope and invite people will check out my website howardrichmondmd.com that's howard r-i-c-h-m-o-n-d and then m-d all lowercase howardrichmondmd.com and also I encourage people to um, uh, to get the book The Healing Field so that's out I think, there I think that's great and um, I don't know I think this is uh, a lot to um, a lot to be thankful for is that we are here we are alive and we are sentenced 
to life. I love it. Thank you so much. This was Amen. great. <laughs> Thank you, Deborah. Right. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you next Bye-bye. time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Okay. Bye.